Well, I was just reminded in a, in a text that um, we are, uh, we're not doing one small child. So this brings me to the message title. We're just going to give up on perfect. It's just not going to happen. A lot of us, like Attila, we've been grinding it out for 24 days, trying to make sure that the experiences that we're responsible for are the best. Because Jesus is the best. And yet our own mortality comes through sometimes where we realize we can't bring the best like he brought the best. That life is messy and that you do have to give up sometimes on perfection. And I remind myself of this every year. I, I love Christmas. I love the 24 days leading up uh, to this moment. I love this moment. This moment is like the highlight. I walk out of here and I'm just so elated because the spirit of the season is aligned with the spirit of Christmas in a way that um, I, I can't even describe. And it's one thing to experience the season in just the general sense, but when you have the season of those days and all that music coupled with Christ, uh, it's just that sweet spot. And no matter how imperfect we are, God says, that's exactly where I want to be. And it involves you uh, and me, uh, our lives, uh, because God has just descended into the mess with us. So that we can know the full extent of his joy. I mean, isn't that awesome? Now, you may look at uh, the Christmas experience with a more jaded view. Uh, I have to be honest, on Christmas Day after we open our presents and we talk about the Lord a little bit, I can't wait to watch National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. (laughs) It is just my go-to decompression show. Because uh, I, I, I believe it's perennial uh, because everybody looks at Clark Griswold and they say, yeah, been there, done that. I can't tell you how many times. And I, I mean, how many of you have ever uh, went way into uh, the, the, the deepest woods of Redneckville to get your own Christmas tree? No offense to any rednecks that are here. I'm related to them. I've killed my own deer with my car, so I, I'm, I'm with you. But I also know that when the story unfolds and they go to get that tree, uh, they are very excited to take that family truckster into the wilderness and come back with that tree and put it in their house, only to discover that there's no saw. So how do you, how do you manage that? Well, you just pull the tree out of the ground and you affix it to your car and you drive home and you sing Christmas carols whether you want to or not. And I love the spirit of that because it just tells me Yeah, it summarizes in the best way possible our frustration of life here on earth. But it also reminds us that God is not indifferent to what you and I go through. And despite all of that, we can come into a venue like this and find so much joy despite the mess. Isn't that great? Walking out of here knowing that the joy is there because the grace is underneath it all. 
And so I, I, I'm in a pretty good mood tonight. I don't know about you guys. You guys in a good mood tonight? Okay, great. Hopefully, after it all ends, uh, that'll be even better because Jesus came to address a lot of things. And one of the things that he is concerned about is our mood. And I think December uh, 1 through 24 can be a test of our moods. You ever get the sense that, uh, uh, that, that, that the highs are higher during those 24 days and the lows are lower? Depression is magnified and intensified, and the elation of just different things happening uh, is pronounced. And you live, uh, perhaps like I do, on that continuum between those two extremes, which are even more extremer uh, during those days. And, and it's kind of funny because uh, uh, like, like, uh, like, like other people on staff here, and, and certainly I know Attila and Jackie, we love this, this time of year. We want to make it uh, the best that we can, but we also, uh, in our own mortality, deal with those limitations. And I remember Thursday uh, uh, finishing up work and going home and thinking, oh, I can relax a little bit. And I'm like, what's that grinding sound? Oh, that's my disc brakes there rubbing metal to metal. And I'm somewhat mechanically inclined, and I thought, well, that's another thing I need to do before I get back in my car. So I purchased some brakes on the way home, and then we got in my wife's car, and we drove to Medina to uh, Castle Noel, if you've ever been there. Uh, It's a pretty awesome Christmas experience. Uh, And then we came back about... Uh, about 10 o'clock at night, and you know, my son wanted to go swing dancing with some friends in Youngstown in a place that I was a little concerned about because uh, as we're driving him there, I'm on 680, and two cars speed right up onto the turnaround real quick, and one of them almost hits me as I go by it, and then the other one is a state police car chasing after it, and I'm like, oh, great. I'm getting ready to drop my son off in a neighborhood where these kind of things are happening. What could be better? I get home, 11 o'clock at night, I put the disc brakes on my truck. I go to bed. I think, all right, in the morning I can go to work and I'll just do a few odds and ends and it's all good. I get up and I'm like, where's my keys? And I discovered that I left them in my wife's car and she's out shopping and she's not answering her phone. And I need to go to work. So the stress level starts to amplify again. Uh, the peace and the joy that I had the day before sort of uh, morphed into something a little bit more extreme the other way. And I'm just feeling it. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, if, I, if I don't have heart palpitations by December 25th, I'll probably die of uh, stress overload or something like that. And it's just the same scene every year. And... I kind of laugh about it now because it's sort of routine. Uh, It is a sense of just magnifying the reason why Jesus came into the world. The frustration didn't begin with the brake pads. It began basically all the way back in the garden when God told Adam, if you guys don't want to go in my direction, have fun. Because without my mercy and my grace to help you through life every day, it's going to be frustrating. And sure enough, we know that frustration, don't we? Now, if you're a believer, the frustration is something you can laugh at a little bit more because the presence of Christ makes all the difference in the world. 
Now, I asked a minute if you guys were doing good. On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how do you think you're doing mood-wise? Five, five and above? Okay, and maybe you're below that, and you're like, just don't even look at me. So uh, wherever you're at, I, I want you to, uh, to just, uh, maybe, maybe you're like me, you need to, um, to just uh, find that place where your head and your heart need to be. And uh, that will, I think, affect everything when it comes to your mood. You know, uh, as we look at the Bible characters in the story that's outlined in the reading and a few other places in Luke and Matthew, uh, there are some individuals that come up and their mood is described pretty, pretty clearly. And I think we can learn from each of the characters uh, in this. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, when it comes to the wise men, do you think that they were in a good mood when it... Uh, came to becoming aware that Jesus was uh, the Son of God and they had an opportunity to travel a very long way and offer gold and frankincense and myrrh. Were, were they in a good mood about that? Were they happy about that? Okay. Okay. All right. I can always count on my wife whenever I'm just uh, not able to sort of pull it out of a group. She'll get you guys going. So thank you, honey. Now I probably owe you another present for Christmas, but we'll settle that later. All right, so let's look at a couple other people. Shepherds, happy or sad? Okay, scripture says that they are rejoicing over the good news and the fact that they had the angels in Dolby surround sound show up in the middle of pasture and make it known that the king of kings and the lord of lords was getting ready to emerge. Uh, so they, they were pretty stoked about that. Um, so we look at those angels and we know that they've seen Jesus for a very long time. They've been waiting for a long time for this day to happen. Uh, they've had opportunity to talk with him before and they, they kind of are familiar with him. Are the angels pretty stoked about what's going on? You think they're in a pretty good mood? Okay, I, I, I would agree. Uh, again, the scriptures uh, point to the reality of their celebration over that. And as uh, we look at uh, those characters and we see uh, maybe one more person on that end. Uh, Mary was getting ready to begin a whole new journey. Uh, with this child that is conceived in her womb. And interestingly enough, she wasn't alone in her pregnancy. Uh, she had somebody to kind of compare notes with. And uh, I know when my wife was expecting our kids, it was, uh, there was always, it seemed like there was somebody else who was pregnant and they were able to talk about it together. And she had a cousin, not my wife, but Mary, had a cousin. And uh, this person was a little bit older and couldn't have kids. And it seemed like that her and her husband had just given up on it altogether until God said, guess what, guys? It's on. And so when Mary heard about that, she wanted to travel and, and just congratulate her on that. She walked in the door and she began to speak about what God had been doing in her life. And the scripture says that that unborn child in her womb did what? Leaped. So would you say that unborn child was in a pretty good mood? Okay. So, so far, all of these people seem to be 
pretty happy about this thing. But if you looked at, at their lives, with the exception of the angels, life wasn't always so good. Uh, shepherds, um, I knew New Zealanders who were shepherds, and they said uh, they walked around barefooted all the time, even in the winter. And I said, well, how do you guys keep your feet warm in the winter? And they said in their New Zealand accent, which I can't even begin to mimic, well, we just kind of put them in sheep manure whenever it's warm, and that gets us going again. And I'm like, TMI, we'll move on. As the shepherds are thinking about the austerity of their circumstances, Mary and Joseph, they didn't have any gold yet, so they were broke. And they had to spend that on a trip to Egypt, by the way. Because there's another character in this equation that I wonder what his mood was like. And his name was Herod. A question. Was Herod happy or sad about the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of the universe and the one who has always been and always will be and is right now in the moment is going to be here in the flesh as a baby? What was Herod thinking when he heard that? Sad, which morphed into mad. They kind of go together sometimes, don't they? His mood was mercurial. It was just always depending on what was going on around him. And his feeling was, this ain't good. This is not good because I'm riding this gravy train. I'm pretty wealthy. I've got 11 or 12 wives. I've got a lot of power here. And if people go saying there's a a new king in town, that upsets me. Those circumstances don't make me happy. But Herod was one of these guys that I don't think could experience joy unless it was just a set of circumstances that converged in such a way that everything was aligned. And for one fleeting moment, he might feel good. But until then... He had money and he was bored. He had power and he was bored. He had one wife and he was bored. He had 12 wives and he said, I don't like any of them except Miriam. And as his marriage with her unfolded, one day he didn't like the way that she cooked the toast. And she, he had her beheaded. So it wasn't too difficult to change his mood. He had a son that he really liked as well and was looking forward to see him grow and mature until the son didn't seem to want to play the game the way that he did. And he had him beheaded. He had a barber. Well, you get the story. Uh, Didn't cut the hair quite right. And that barber cut his last head of hair. And on and on it went. To the point where the day that Herod died... He had written a decree preempting that event in such a way, knowing that his popularity was not what he hoped it would be. And he feared that no one would cry when he died. And that, again, made him sad, even though he wouldn't be there to see it. So he said, I want to take 70 of the most prominent citizens, and the day that I die, I want them beheaded as well. Because either way you look at it, people are going to be crying in the streets the day I die. And the sad thing about Herod is the fact that some of us can get caught up in his way of looking at things. 
Herod is one of those guys that you have good mood and you have bad mood. And you have good circumstances and you have bad circumstances. And when the circumstances are good, because he'd wake up kind of in neutral and he would say, I hope it's a good day. And if it turned out to be a bad day, that meant a bad mood, that meant stay away. If it turned out to be a good day, then his mood was good. Now, if you're like me, I have to say some days are like that, where I feel like that I get out of bed and I, I hope everything converges in the right way so I can kind of feel good. And sometimes when it doesn't go in the right direction, so my mood goes. And as I maybe feed on that a little bit, and I get into that self-recriminating frame of mind that a lot of psychologists say that many of us go through, where we're just so hard on ourselves all the time because, well, we can't do it perfectly. And so we go and we beat ourselves up. I didn't tell you that uh, as um, Friday unfolded, I had the pleasure of going and just relaxing with the staff in a restaurant. And it was just very nice to just chill, not think about work, and just enjoy the moment and the banter and just the company of, of friends and coworkers. And I just walked out of there feeling pretty good and pretty peaceful, drove back to work and know we, knew we had a few things to do. And I thought, well, now we just kind of relax and get ready for uh, Saturday and Sunday. And I realized that there was just one more thing I needed to get for my wife. And I went to pull out my credit card, only to discover that it wasn't there. So peace went back into the mode of panic. And panic meant, where did I use that at last? And I thought, oh, the restaurant up in Boardman. So I called him up and I got a hold of Gayla. And Gayla said, yes, sir, we have it right here. And I was so pleased uh, to know that I just had to drive up to Boardman on a very busy day and retrieve my credit card. So I go up there and I am waiting for Gayla, who's setting some people up. And uh, these three ladies walk in with their children and they're very intense. And they like this scene that is right there in the, in the entryway of, of the place. And I'm standing there waiting for Gayla and this pretty attractive blonde-haired uh, lady stands right next to me, only the opposite way, right up against me. And I'm like, that's kind of personal, lady. And then I realize I'm in her way because she's trying to capture the perfect Kodak moment of her kid settled into the couch by the tree. And it's sort of her subtle way of saying, you're in my way. So... Being slow at social cues, it finally occurred to me that I needed to step over there. And believe me, the last thing I wanted to do was wreck anybody's Christmas experience. So I walked over there, I got my credit card, and I drove back to, to, um, to home thinking, oh, I can relax now. But then I thought, no, I'm not going to say that because last time I did, circumstances changed. But it's really not about circumstances when Jesus is in the equation. Sure, the circumstances of his birth made all the difference in the world. 
It's the reason why we listen to Christmas music from basically uh, October 31st to sometime in January. Because somewhere in the mixed up mind of the populace that dwell here on earth is a sense that Christmas is important. If you can really tune into it, you recognize something embedded in the Christmas story that helps you and I to have the right mood and the right mindset. Now Herod had everything, but the scripture said that when Mary got the news, she pondered these things and she treasured them in her heart. Why did she ponder? Because she, she took the time to recapture the significance of the story of what God wanted to do to make himself real to the people of God and the rest of the world, for that matter, for so long. And she realized that it was all coming to a culmination in this moment where she would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and then it would be the start of a new era. And she pondered it. And in her poverty, in her pretty austere circumstances, in her married to a guy, but he's not the father of the child situation. In her, oh Mary, she's pregnant, and we know that we know that that's not on the up and up. In all of those things that were going on in her life circumstantially that could just be filled with self-recrimination, she said, you know what? Those circumstances don't matter. Because the one set of circumstances that makes all the difference is the fact that God loves me and that he's actually chosen me to be a part of something pretty fantastic. And I just can't get over it. I am so blown away by this. The scripture said she treasured all these things in her heart. It was where her wealth was. It was the meaning that gave meaning to her whole life. And poor Herod, he had everything, and he tried everything, and he experimented with everything, and he had opportunity to do whatever he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and yet he was sorely miserable, and his life had no meaning. And you and I can live somewhere in between those two places. But I think Mary gives the answer that we all need to hear when the mood isn't what it should be. When you just take a minute and you stop and you treasure by pondering what's going on with you and God and what has been going on with God and his people for so long and how God is just pulling you and I into something that is indescribable, wow, that's where the meaning begins. Maybe the stress and the anxiety and the worry of Christmas. And maybe, maybe you're like me. You're in your 50s. And you're just like, I've been doing this for so long. I'm just kind of tired of it. I'm feeling old and jaded. And maybe God's saying, maybe you need to stop and ponder things for a minute. Maybe you need to look at Mary and see what she did and recapture some of that magic. Now, one reason why I like being a pastor and I like being a father this time of year 
is because I like to see joy on the faces of people around me. And I can remember, you guys remember as a kid, that one Christmas present that you got or that one Christmas moment in your childhood that's just embedded in your heart that brings joy and you default back to that as you just think about Christmas in your life. And maybe God is saying, why don't you try to recapture that? Now here's where we end. God wants you and I to look at this and this and this always through the eyes of a child. If we can go back and say, I just want to see it like a kid again, maybe we'll recapture it. God has given us this vision to do over and over and over. And if you're like me, you do something too many times, you just get tired of it. But how many of you have taken your kids and thrown them up in the air and caught them, thrown them up in the air, caught them, Throwing them up in the air and thought about sometimes dropping them, but you thought, no, that won't go well. And what, what were they saying each time? Again, again, again. And I'm like, if I do it one more time, my arms may not respond and it may not end well. But they just don't get bored with any of that. And God, when he starts each day, he sets in the motion the sun and the plants or the snow or whatever it is, again and again and again. And it's always fresh to him because all things that are good find their meaning in him. And God says, my mercies are new every morning. It's one thing I like about going back to Illinois, and I'll just, I'll just end with this, this brief story. I, I get a... Uh, a pumpkin pie that my mom just loves to make for myself and my family, which I generally hoard for myself. But hey, I'm, I'm her kid. So I, uh, one day I'll be selfless. But she also makes cookies. And the cookies that she makes, she loves to bake them. And she's been baking the same kind of cookies year after year after year. And it's a variety of things. And there's some of them that she bakes. I'm like, Kids are going back to college. They can send them with them. And if they don't like them, they can send them on. But what I admire is the fact that she never gets tired of making fresh cookies every time we go. And God never gets tired waking up every day before you do and saying, I've got fresh mercies that I've just cooked up. And they're here for you today. Do you see them? And you may or may not. And the only way that I can tell, if you will, is how you get up out of bed. You can get up out of bed and you can start your day. And somewhere along the way, you may think, oh yeah, God, as an afterthought. Or you can get up out of bed and before your feet hit the ground, you start with him. And you say, Lord, Just help me to approach this day like a kid again. It's a fresh day with fresh mercies. And I know that there's a lot that's going to happen. Some's going to be good. Some's going to be bad. But my mood in you is going to be joyful. Because no matter what, I'm pondering you and treasuring you in my heart. 
and it's not going to disrupt anything that um, I face in the world that challenges me so often. And that is our hope. And I hope you walk out of here. Well, if you were a 9, I hope you were a 10. If you were a 7, I hope you were a 10. If you were a 2, I hope you were a 10. Because with Jesus, he's a 10.